Hello everyone, Patriot Underground here. So before we begin the show, I wanted to take a quick moment to remind everybody to check out PatriotSwitch.com. Click the link in the description and begin your journey making the switch to purchasing your personal and household products from a patriotic company who shares your value system and doesn't funnel your money directly into evil operations that are designed to destroy us. This is a no-brainer, folks. I made the switch and I couldn't be happier. And as I said, I only come out and support something that I personally use and believe in. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. PatriotSwitch.com. All right, folks, enjoy the show. Patriot out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Patriot Underground. Today is July 17th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining me, folks, to discover the truth beneath the surface. I really do appreciate everybody out there taking the time to listen. So today, it's my pleasure to welcome my good friend, Brad Olson, back to the show. It's been a while since we last spoke, and when we get together, it's always an interesting conversation. The audience always enjoys it. And honestly, given all that's going on in the world right now, I'm sure that today is going to be a good one. So Brad Olson, for those who aren't familiar with his work, is an author, most recently of the Esoteric series, which we're going to touch upon today, I'm sure. But he's also a publisher. He's a researcher. He's a very accomplished explorer, a world traveler, a lot of feathers in Brad's cap. So it's great to have you back. Welcome to the show. Hey, Patriot. It's always great to be back on the underground. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, indeed, we always have wonderful conversations and cover a lot of ground. We sure do. And I thought, you know, maybe we could begin today with some of your thoughts on a concept that I heard discussed recently. I don't know if you saw the Beyond Mystic show uh, with John Claude, of course, as the host uh, with Jim Willie and Kerry Cassidy. And this was really a top-notch interview for those who haven't seen it. But actually, it was more of a roundtable. But either way, for the purposes of our discussion, I wanted to hone in on something that was brought up in the course of that conversation, which is the practice of ideological subversion as an enemy tactic with its roots, of course, as you know, in the MK Ultra program and all of its offshoots, of course. And so given the fact that you have a great deal of knowledge in this area, you've written books on this subject, I thought we could get into that a little bit. Now, to change the perception of reality to such an extent that nobody is capable anymore of coming to sensible conclusions, despite the abundance of information presented to them, is my understanding of ideological subversion. But of course, there are many more layers to it. It's a brainwashing process that's gradually rolled out. And as Kerry mentioned, it's ultimately resolved into a situation where the social engineers design the propaganda through the mainstream media to target the ideological divides that perhaps exist even organically within a society, but then weaponize them to such an extent that we, the people, begin to police each other to adhere to the mandates of the state as they're broadcast through the mainstream media networks, which of course are the mouthpiece of the enemy. And this is a really the very struggle that all of us have been weighted down with for so long since we began our own personal journey of awakening, only to discover that the truth was met with hostility and outright vitriol from so many of the people around us. So can you discuss the roots of this ideological subversion and how you see it playing out over the past few years, and also give us your thoughts on the general awakening of the population. I mean, are mm. people actually rejecting this programming as the truth begins to gradually emerge and the sleepers are beginning to recognize, perhaps through their cognitive dissonance, that we weren't so crazy after all, and that there's something fundamentally wrong with the paradigm of our society? So give us your thoughts. Wanted to sort of lay the table there. 
Talk about the history a little bit about what led us here and what progress you believe has been made as this insane pantomime continues to play out. Yeah, it really is insane because it's all mind control. Uh, I did see the part one and two with Jim Willie and my good friend, Kerry Cassidy, been on the Patriot Underground a number of times with John claude Fantastic two-part interview, two hours each, but well worth the time. And the whole notion of MK Ultra, which I have a whole chapter in Beyond Esoteric about, um, the K in MK is mind control spelled in German, K-O-R-O-L-L-E, controle. Uh, it came over with the paperclip Nazis. They were doing their own version of MK Ultra mind control on the German people during World War II. Perhaps how they got uh, the German people so involved in the war and the hysteria. So these are tried and true tested techniques for getting the group mind to go along with a certain agenda. This is done on a mass scale. And until fairly recently, the American people didn't even know how deep and how propagandized they were because the MK Ultra was working through the mass media, of course, but it was also working uh, in other very subtle ways. Uh, for example, over it, they can even do voice to skull technology through some of the 5G towers and um, subtle predictive programming in commercials uh, where they would slow down only. So a, a movie has about 30 frames a second. And I, I actually did a uh, my college thesis in marketing on uh, how how they could use subliminal subduction it was a very famous book in the 70s describing how under the threshold of your perception they could put one frame in those 30 seconds and it will work so they did experiments pretty benign ways of testing it by doing a frame of coca-cola during a movie and then popcorn and then candy and sure enough a certain percentage of people would get up out of their seats right after they saw it. They didn't see it, but they had it in their mind and went to go and purchase those products from the uh, concessions counter. So they knew that this worked. Then they started doing it in more nefarious ways. And at the uh, opening of Ronald Reagan's administration, he sat down with William Colby, the head of the CIA, and this was witnessed by several people on Reagan's staff. When William Colby said to the new president, we will know our disinformation campaign is successful when everything the American people believe is false. Mm -hmm. <laughs> who, who thinks like that? Well, the CIA does because they have very distinct agenda and they wish to control the narrative. That's really what this is all about, is controlling the narrative. That's why Operation Mockingbird was the CIA program to put their plants in the mainstream media so they could control the people who deliver the news and read the teleprompter of the stories they want them to read. This has been going on for decades, and the extent of how deep it is in the American psyche is only now starting to unravel. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I've always been a little bit curious about how specifically MKUltra programming works to turn the population against itself, because it's really easy to understand that, well, it's relatively easy to understand, I suppose, for the awakened crowd out there that the government, the state, the deep state, the cabal would use the mainstream media as a mouthpiece to get its agenda across and seek to control the population. But they did it in such a way, and we saw this, and Kerry actually broke this down in detail during the COVID era, which isn't really fully behind us, but certainly you know, we're talking about the, the past couple of years where it was wielded to such an extent where the divides that they've created over generations were then weaponized during that event to turn the population against itself. And it worked remarkably well. I mean, as we saw in the in the beginning stages. But then the question is: so that so that's kind of one question, which is, you know, how do they do that? How do they get the people to function against their own interest and to actually look at us, the truth seekers, the truth tellers, as the enemy? And secondarily, I mean, do you think, Brad, that the population is actually waking up? Do you, do you see evidence that this mind control that as you masterfully talk about i mean you trace the history back to world war ii even you know during the during the war itself how the germans were able to wield this even against their own people to get them to go along with this fascistic agenda do you think mm. that our population is actually awakening and and how do you come to your conclusions yeah it, it is uh, th- the country and the world is awakening it is the great awakening which is a term that just came about at the beginning of uh the COVID scamdemic, uh, as people were rejecting the narrative, which, by the way, is still continuing on. You can go in and still get a COVID jab or booster. That's right. Available. They haven't <laughs> given up on it, it yet. Hasn't ended yet. They haven't given up quite yet. But uh, I find it really telling that uh, Herman Goring, during the Nuremberg trials, when asked how did they get the German people to go along with uh, the the war effort and everything else, he said, getting the people's persuasion is actually quite easy. What you have to do is scare them. What you need is fear tactics. And then they'll hop, step, skip, and jump right along with any agenda you roll out. And isn't that true with what they did with COVID? They got us all scared. This virus is coming. It came on bat soup in Wuhan. No, it didn't. Now the evidence is quite clear came out of laboratories it was purposefully leaked but they wanted to do it to get everybody to get jacked up on these mrna jabs which is now coming out as complete junk science they they do nothing for the body they only harm you they should be rejected at every step of the way i know a lot of people that are very regretful of having gotten them uh and and doing what they can to detox but i don't know a single person who hasn't got one that wishes they had it's kind of funny that I know, right? It's a pretty interesting paradigm. And I'm glad you touched upon the really what the essence of MK Ultra programming is all about. And it's fear. Yep. It's yep. all about the manipulation of fear as a very sort of uh, rudimentary, basic aspect of the human condition where we respond to fear in a certain way where it allows us to bypass logic and reason and to just go along with whatever the mandates of the state are. What's that there? Oh, that's Herman Goring on oh, the Goring, yeah. Nuremberg trials when he yeah, made that Absolutely. Statement. Absolutely. Well, you know, this ties in very well to the next subject that I really wanted to dig into a little bit, which is the neo-fascistic agenda. And yeah. you've written extensively about that. So we've talked about this ideological subversion. 
but we know that it's tied directly to the neo-fascistic agenda that you wrote about, I think, in Beyond Esoteric very recently, which, as I always mention, it's an incredible read. If you haven't read this book, folks, we're going to talk about where you can get it at the end of the show, but this is absolutely key information. Now, certainly, we know that there have been several markers throughout history that have represented key turning points in the enemy's control over us, we the people, which we can trace back over 150 years. We can go back to the Organic Act of 1871. Certainly, we can include in that conversation the creation of the Federal Reserve as a part of their ongoing coup against America, going all the way up to the assassination of JFK. And then, of course, we can look at 9-11 as another key marker. But I wanted to give you the opportunity to speak for a little bit about the intended timeline of the enemy, what their overall objectives were, and how this process has been fundamentally derailed by the presence of the alliance, by this great awakening, by the Q operation. So give us your thoughts on the neo-fascistic agenda and tell us what we really need to highlight in order to understand the timeline that we're on right now. Sure. In in Beyond Esoteric, I have the first front section is called Neo-Fascism, the New oh, Fascism. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the section header is the herd, the mob, the unwashed masses are considered farm animals and are seldom, if ever, allowed to know the truth by their keepers. They believe, they graze, and they bleat. They live and die by what they are told. How do we how do we really understand how this Kabbalic elite, which is multi-generational, has taken such uh, an advancement in controlling the narrative? And of course, using the mainstream media is a very perfect tool, but also through our educational system, also by government edicts. Uh, the government now, I consider our federal government a captured operation. And the definition of fascism has actually changed since World War II. In World War II, if you can find an old dictionary older than 1970, it, it'll tell you that the definition of fascism is when a government takes control of corporations and uses them for their efforts. So this puts the politicians in control. Well, that's all changed now because neo-fascism is quite the opposite. It is when the corporation heads take control of government and then they call the shots mm -hmm. and they have their blackmail operations, as we all know, Patriot with uh, uh, Epstein Island and all the, even uh, the Playboy Mansion. When history will be told properly, uh, Hugh Hefner will be the next Jeffrey Epstein. He had the entire Playboy Mansion rigged up with cameras for blackmail operations. He was working with the CIA and the intelligence agencies because once they got you in a compromising position, uh, they'll say, well, you're going to lose your uh, government post. Your wife's going to leave you. You're going to be totally disgraced. So why don't you just go along with what we're going to tell you the agenda we want you to do? This is all starting to come out. And this is part of how this neo-fascist agenda, how these globalists who make decisions behind closed doors and smoky boardrooms, none of them are elected by we the people, but they wield tremendous power over dictating the edicts of our lives. And so the timeline basically is a slow and drawn out one. It's multi-generational. The 
bankers had been trying since the foundation of America to get in there as a central bank. It was only Andrew Jackson who was able to root them all out and get the national debt to zero. So they've been they've been hammering at this for quite some time. But what I think is even worse than the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 was the Organic Act of 1871, which effectively made the United States a corporation. So here you have these corporate heads and believe you me, the uh, the English crown, the Committee of 300 has had a hand in our country since the colonial days. They never really have given it up. And when you trace who are the owners of the Federal Reserve, for example, invariably it comes back to all the banker families in Europe and around the world. Of course, the uh, Rockefellers of this country are involved too, but it's largely Europeans that own this country, largely British Europeans. So that's the extent of, of how this has gone over the course of uh, several years, several centuries even. And now we're having uh, this existential crisis in this country trying to make resolve over how much we have been utterly manipulated by these same forces. I like the quote from Anthony Hilder, a great researcher who doesn't get nearly as much credit as he deserves. And he said uh, several decades ago that the CIA was the enforcement arm of the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, these uh, think tanks of the globalists, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergers. They use the enforcement of the intelligence agencies to enforce their will. That's how things have gotten so messed up. That's why things seem so backward to people. Well, it's not we, the people that are dictating where we want the country to go. Our elected officials are compromised and it's the globalist agenda. So if you ever want to watch mainstream media, knock yourself out because all it is, is the globalist agenda being repeated ad infinitum. And, uh, it's it's just to me, it's just garbage. I, the, the few times I'll listen to uh, NPR on a road trip or something, my jaw hits the floor. How terrible the news reporting is terrible in such that it edits out. See, because what is not spoken also speaks volume. And when they cover a story totally one sided, Ukraine, for example, never mentioning all the bio labs, never mentioning the child trafficking and other uh, very terrible things that have been found going on in Ukraine, the money laundering. Never bring that up. No, just, oh, Ukraine's winning. They're going on an offensive, getting slaughtered. I think the latest numbers are 25,000 Ukrainian men have died in this year alone. It's just horrific. But we don't get that kind of news, do we? However, that's why the alternative media and shows like the Patriot Underground are so popular because you tell it the way it is and you have guests on that will also reflect the reality of the world we live in today. Well, yeah, I mean, that's really the mission that all of us are a part of. And certainly it's an honor to be a part of that. And I couldn't agree with you more. And it's interesting. A couple of things that stood out to me when you were answering my question is that, you know, you mentioned Andrew Jackson 
who was the president who stood up to the central banks. And how many times has Trump compared himself to Andrew right. Jackson? I think that's very interesting. But really, I think in terms of the overall scope of the question involving neo-fascism, it's really important for folks to understand the reversal that took place that you described, where it's now corporations that really are in control of the world, or at least based upon the optics that we see right now. I mean, certainly uh, I happen to believe that they're not so in control as they were at one point, but nevertheless, neo-fascism, really important concept because the government, at least in theory anyway, has the constraints of common law and the constitution and all of our rights to contend with, whereas corporations don't. And this is also something that we saw during the COVID era as well. The mandates and the things that the government wanted to do, certainly we know what they wanted to do. And if they could have done it, they would have gone much farther in terms of lockdowns and all of these draconian measures. But the the uh, the corporations, they have a lot more freedom to be able to say, well, if you want to work for this company, you have to follow these rules. And it's always been really interesting to me how corporations can operate this way in a tyrannical manner that they're not bound to the same basic restraints that, at least in theory, like I said, the government is bound to. Of course, they don't respect the Constitution. We all know that. But they have a lot more leeway if they if they take this approach, this neo-fascistic approach. And I think we saw that uh, just completely glaringly obvious during the COVID era. And I also believe that this is something moving forward that we're really going to have to rectify. Because if we have certain rights that we know that the government can infringe upon, or at least they're not supposed to, then why can corporations do the things that the governments can't? you have any comments on that? Well, they, they can do what corporations want to do because they have hijacked all these institutions. They are now captured operations. The only great institution left in America, well, Alex Collier would say it's the post office service, is the only thing worth salvaging and hasn't been completely co-opted, but portions of our military, which right. contain the white hats, is still true to their oath that they will defend the Constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic. What that means is the barbarians are also inside the gate and the fight has is taking place here in America. America is the last bastion of freedom. If we lose America, there is no country in the world that could stand up to this globalist agenda, which is rearing its ugly head. I remember seeing David Icke for his 12 and a half hour marathon about seven years ago in the Bay Area, sitting right next to Foster Gamble and Sean David Morton. We we're all just amazed at the, at the depth of and how good he can speak for so long. And he said, this is seven, eight years ago that there will come a time when the globalists will have to come out of their smoky boardrooms and execute their plans so that everybody sees right in the front what they're up to. And what, what we're seeing since COVID is exactly that. We are seeing the globalist agenda rolling out right now before our eyes should be absolutely crystal clear to everybody. <clears throat> and they are implementing their one world government strategy. They're also attempting in the next month they're fed now cbdc coin mm -hmm. and in uh the last pope a book that i published by leo lion zagami he gets into the one world religion 
they're also pushing that agenda. They want to get everybody to join a one world religion. That's why he's the last Pope. This will be the last one you see. And this is also, I, I wrote the foreword to this book that the uh, prophet, the Catholic prophet named Malachi had in the middle ages prophesized every single Pope up to this last one and even gave little details, which are remarkably accurate about what each one of those popes would achieve. And the last one is this St. Peter, this uh, this apostle that will take down the Catholic Church. And who is Jorge Borglio? He's a Jesuit, first Jesuit pope ever. And there's also the Black Pope, uh, which is the head of the Jesuit order. So they have moved into a military position in the Vatican. And we should just uh, also emphasize that the Vatican is one of the three empire of three cities. They are in control of the spiritual goals of these globalists. The monetary policies and the wealth contained is in the city of London. It's a one square mile city of London that has uh, all the big banks, all the international banks, but all the big European and British banks, including American banks, they're the money power. And in, in the U.S., we have Washington, D.C., the enforcement arm, the military, the might to enforce the will of these globalists. And so some similarities are, well, first of all, all of them have occultic obelisks within them. In the city of London, it's uh, Cleopatra's Needle, which is an obelisk out of uh, Egypt. Same with in St. Peter's Square. You have a great big obelisk. And of course, we have the Washington Monument. These are very occultic symbols. If you know what you're looking for, it's right there in plain sight. You can't miss it. All three of the Empire of Three Cities are also independent city-states. They basically act as micro-nations. So the police force in Rome or Italy has no jurisdiction in the Vatican City. Leo Zagami brings up the uh, uh, the sex uh, rings associated with the Vatican. And there's nothing the Italian police government can do about it because they're their own micronation. Similarly, City of London has its own mayor, its own laws, its own rules. And Washington, D.C. is not a state. It's its own city-state citadel. So this is the source of this globalist network power and how they have been able to rule the Western world with such effective force. But this is starting to crumble, and all three of these micronations are showing signs of, of weakening and breaking down. Indeed, absolutely, which is why the military is the only way. I mean, it's certain... Uh, what you pointed out is is very true that they don't have jurisdiction in these little city states, the the Vatican, the Empire of Three Cities, as you pointed out, the Vatican, D.C., and the city of London. You also pointed out the obelisks. Now, is it your understanding that the obelisks in the areas that you uh, mentioned are symbols of Horus in the way that uh, I'm sure you've heard 107 uh, tell that story? Is that your understanding of what that represents? I've I've been curious to ask you about that because I know you have a lot of background and knowledge of, of the history of uh, so much of this uh, symbology. So can you enlighten me on that a little bit? 
Well, sure. And well, it's a phallic symbol too, of course. And it was uh, Osiris was chopped up into uh, multiple pieces. Did I say Horus? I meant Osiris. Sorry about that. Yeah. And, and one of those pieces was the phallic. The phallic is the obelisk. So more occult symbolism right there in plain sight for all to see. I'm uh, trying to find my little diagram of the Empire of Three Cities. Modern esoteric just got translated into the Bulgarian language. I just got to oh, awesome. Congratulations. The other day. Yeah. And then he, he made it uh, 750 pages and really stretched the whole thing out, which is kind of cool. Um, and he, he was very, the publisher was very faithful in keeping all my uh, images and everything uh, associated with it. Well, here's also another one from Egypt of the three uh, pyramids, which also are uh, the constellation Orion. And Orion is where the uh, reptilian type creatures, which also have a role on this planet. As uh, Bill Cooper said in his 1989 UFO Congress talk, you put the aliens in the middle of this stuff and you get all the answers. And sure enough, when you look a little deeper in the Vatican, boy, do they have symbology all over the place representing this uh, very dark reptilian influence, as well as the Freemasons. There's a bunch of them with an apparition of the Baphomet appearing. Now, can you imagine if, if say, you and I, Patriot, went to... Uh, one of these uh, occultic type meetings we kind of stand in the back of the room. Oh yeah. We're going to see uh, a demon appear or something like that. And we're just kind of nudging each other. Yeah. Right. And then what if something like that did happen? Um, and you see here in another image of uh, one of the bishops receiving um, a book from a demon in the mm. Catholic church. It's all around. So here we are, we're standing in the back of this saying, yeah, Right whatever's going to happen and some kind of apparition like a Baphomet appears. You think we'd walk out of there with a new opinion of what these entities have are capable of doing. I think we would, I think it would make quite a big impact. And that's sure. why these people in these occultic practices are so influenced by them and stay with it and, and continue to go on, even though sometimes they do try to break free and want to leave. It's not that easy. It's kind of like the old make a deal with the devil. And if you do that, you, it's like you've written your name in blood and it's not so easy to get out of anymore. Yes, they may give you what you want, but in the end, is that really what you want to sell your soul out? Here's the Vatican. This is called the audience hall. Look at how remarkably similar that looks to a big snake, not only on the inside, but on the outside, looks exactly like a snakehead. There are no coincidences. This is not just, oh, it just looks that way because they built it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they did it for the very reason that when the Pope sits in that audience hall chair, there's an entity right above it. If you look at it from a profile, is a reptilian alien. So they have been in bed with this ET force for quite some time. And this is another thing that's going to come out and is going to shock people to the core that those groups that we thought were good and benevolent are anything but 
Not to say that Catholics are bad people. They're wonderful people. They do great charitable work around the world. It's the top of the pyramid in just about all cases that gets hacked, that is very vulnerable to this kind of influence because we live in a hierarchical world, hierarchical society and such that it's easy to hack the very top of these pyramids. And this is what has happened in our government, these captured operations I'm describing. This is what happened in the Vatican with the top bishops in Vatican City. And this is basically uh, what they've tried to do in our military with General Miley and some of these other woke generals. Um, but fortunately, there's still enough white hats in the ranks to offer some blowback and offer some resistance, which is absolutely required. I think this is a period of time, Patriot, that historians are going to look back on and they're going to see the struggle, the epic struggle that good people had, such as all the recent drama around the movie Sounds of Freedom, how hard that was to bring out. What a great movie it is. Everybody does need to go see it. But how epic this struggle was against this globalistic, occultic cabal that has used malevolent service to self ETs as also their allies, all the way back to the Nazis in World War II were also allied with this reptilian force. And don't forget, Italy was part of the Axis powers. The That's Vatican right. offered cover to the Nazis to get them to escape at the end of the war using the rat lines. So they're definitely implicated in uh, assisting the Nazis during and after World War II. Absolutely. Wow. It looks hot in there, man. You got to get some AC going on. <laughs> I know I'm in my uh, studio. And, I'm feeling uh, bad for you over here. Okay. Well, you know, right. you're having a heat spell out here in Nevada, but it's all yeah. good. Okay. All right. All good. Well, you know, you mentioned the sound of freedom and this is something that I wanted to talk about, kind of switch gears a little bit here, even though it's directly related to everything that we're talking about. I wanted to get into not only the film itself, but also the MSM's reaction to the film. Uh, which I think is probably just as significant in many ways. Now, as you know, the term conspiracy theory was a creation of the CIA, which was designed to stigmatize and to ultimately demonize anyone who questioned the establishment narrative. And perhaps even more importantly, it caused generations of people to be successfully programmed to never question their reality, the nature of reality. And of course, we can see a blatant example of this with the MSM's coordinated attack on this film, The Sound of Freedom, which they're branding a QAnon conspiracy. And they're <laughs> essentially trying to gaslight the public that child trafficking is certainly on an industrial scale and pedophilia on an industrial scale. And of course, satanic ritual abuse. I mean, there are multiple different layers to this, as you know, that the film only touches upon certain layers of it, as we know. And it doesn't really get that much into government involvement and connections and so forth. And there's been a lot of criticism about who funded the film. I'm sure you've heard some commentary on that, but it, it's being attacked. That's the point. And I think that it's being attacked with the intent, as I said, to gaslight the public that these issues are just conspiracy theories. Now, my perspective on this is that, and I happen to believe that this has been deliberately set up this way behind the scenes by the White Hats to further discredit the mainstream media. And more importantly, because we know all of this information is coming out one way or another. And so there, there they are trying to put up this firewall saying it doesn't exist. 
But we know that the tidal wave of information and awakening is going to completely wash over that firewall. So in, in some ways, I think it's intended to do that, to discredit the mainstream media. But more importantly, it's to expose their complicity in hiding this from the public. This is the epidemic of our of our lifetime. And so, I, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, you mentioned the film, um, but your thoughts on the film itself, what you believe its impact is and will be in terms of raising consciousness about the evils of pedophilia and human trafficking and the attempt of the MSM to discredit this film. Well, this film was created five years ago. You can see at the very end of the film, Jim Caviezel comes on and explains how difficult it was to get it distributed. First, no studios would touch it. They tried to shop it around to Amazon streaming and Netflix, rejection after rejection. The only way they could release it in theaters was to pre-sale tickets. And it was a resounding success. On the 4th of July, it even beat out the new Indiana Jones movie as the top grossing film, and it's still kicking butt. So this is what the people want. This is what we have been yearning for, recognizing how corrupt and a captured operation Hollywood has been knee deep in all the pedophilia scandal and the child trafficking epidemic that we hear so much about. And this film so brilliantly outlines and shows how easy that these networks can capture children, either tricking them into a beauty contest like the main uh, protagonist in the film, how she was captured with her brother. But they also show clips of how motorcycles can just ride right up and snatch people. I've seen in comments on uh, the film and discussions, social media, how people even have firsthand witnessed vans coming up and pushing a mother down and grabbing her two children, throwing them in the van and driving off. I mean, it can happen so quick that uh, even well-meaning citizens who try to help might not even have time to respond. So it's so interesting now that the movie's out. Uh, of course, first thing they'll always try to do is ignore it. But then you can't ignore it when it's the number one film in the country. That's so right. then the hit pieces come out like Rolling Stone. Well, thanks for showing us who you are. Let's That's call right. this the sound of freedom litmus test because every outlet that comes out against it. Well, what are you doing? You're offering cover for the pedos then, obviously, quite clearly. You can't be trusted. I'll never read that mag again. How come you don't cover rock and roll and Rolling Stone interviews as you used to? What made you so politicized? Well, it's a captured operation, clearly, as is all, almost all the mainstream media through Operation Mockingbird. So these, these institutions are just going to go the wayside. They have no place anymore with uh, enlightened masses who are starting to see all this. It's like Pandora's box, Patriot. In the Greek parable, Pandora had a box and she was told, don't open it, because if you open it, you can never close it back up. Of course, curiosity killed the cat. She opened it and all these spirits came out and it was pandemonium. Uh, and it's the same sort of thing. It's Pandora's box. And once this is out there, just like 9-11. Once you see the truth behind 9-11, you can't, you, there's no way you can go back. There is no way you'll believe the official narrative ever again. And people that spout it out, like Noam Chomsky, I used to love his work. And then he said with 9-11, oh, that's above my 
my pay grade. Oh, I, I, I can't uh, make comment on that. Oh, really, Noam? Or are you giving cover to the tribe? Is that really what's going on? So you find out who's really uh, controlled opposition and giving cover to certain groups when they come out against something like Sound of Freedom. And Absolutely. now you know, don't ever use those uh, outlets ever again. Absolutely. And for everyone who's seen the film, and as you mentioned, it's a blockbuster hit. And for everybody yeah. who's seen the film, they don't just see the film. They have an experience watching that film. And then they go home or they go out you know, onto their phones or wherever they go to get their information, their social media, and they see that the mainstream media is attacking the very same film that deeply affected them. I mean, I think that this is, you know, you said a litmus test. I absolutely. I mean, if you come out against this film that's seeking to expose the industrial scale, the evils, the horrors of human trafficking and of pedophilia, and you attack that film, you very clearly indicate where your alliances lie. And, I, you know, that was kind of the premise of my question in a sense. But, you know, the, the more important thing here is that the public, the barometer, of the public going to see this film in droves is absolutely monumental in the sense you, the way you put it is this is what the people want, right? This is why people are listening to alternative media and they're shutting off mainstream media. This is why people aren't going to see Hollywood movies unless they actually have substance to them like this film. So I think this is an incredible, incredible moment that I think, you know, you talked about history. I think that we're going to look back historically and recognize that, this film coming out and having the impact that it's had and it's going to continue to have as time goes forward is going to be a really pivotal marker in terms of understanding how the consciousness of the masses began to accept the truth behind human trafficking and pedophilia. But I want to pivot here a little bit and I want to talk about false flags and I want to talk about scare events and things that are getting a lot uh, it seems to me like a lot more attention the deeper we get into this process. Certainly, we're in the middle of the summer right now, and a lot of people out there are wondering, you know, is this going to be the summer where everything finally comes to a head? But you know, as you know, this clown show is getting more and more outrageous with every passing day. And that's right. led me personally to the belief that the White Hats are actually pulling the strings behind the scenes in order to jolt people out of their slumber. But certainly, as that continues to happen, and more and more people are awakening, the deep state has to be panicking like never before, which can only mean their response is going to be a barrage of false flag attacks. And we've already seen that happening in a sort of fifth generational warfare style. But in my estimation, these, and not just me, of course, these events are going to escalate massively as we get closer to the eye of the storm, which I believe is going to be fundamentally driven by some sort of a scare event, a nuclear scare event, perhaps a grid shutdown, an internet shutdown, an EMP. And certainly I also believe it's gonna be accompanied by the complete collapse of the fiat banking system. And now that we have the BRICS nations announcing a gold-backed financial tool to compete with the petrodollar for international trade settlement, really the US dollar is facing its largest existential threat since its creation. And you know we kind of touched upon the neo-fascistic timeline a moment ago, which is connected to this. And of course, this also leads up to the long-anticipated false flag alien invasion card that we've discussed as well, as predicted by Werner von Braun on his deathbed. And you pointed that out during our previous conversation. So 
on this topic, discuss what you think is likely to unfold in the coming months as we experience more and more of this disclosure, as the enemy feels the walls closing in around them. How do you anticipate they're going to react? And how do you think that the White Hats are going to respond in kind? Yeah, great question. I've become friends with Alex Collier, met him at a couple conferences, and we occasionally talk on the phone or exchange correspondence. And I've been following Alex Collier for decades since he was a young man uh, with his Andromedian contacts describing how a benevolent ET society functions, which we should be doing and taking a page out of their playbook. But Alex Collier always used the example of a chess game. And I love the game of chess. I'm a player myself. So is Donald Trump and his son, Barron. They play chess all the time and they're very, very good at it. So the analogy is in chess, a master is able to see five or six moves ahead. And this is very difficult. I think I, I can get up to about four moves. And you can anticipate through the knowledge of pre-movement what your opponent is going to do. And Alex Collier used this example about a decade ago that we were at about seven moves out. So last summer at the Mount Shasta Summer Conference, one of his last uh, appearances, I asked him, I was moderating a panel, Where's the game of chess now, Alex? And he said, we're about two moves away. Meaning mm -hmm. even an amateur player can see it's inevitable that the opponent's going to lose. Barring a total bonehead move, which I don't think the White Hats are going to make, oh, it's inevitable not. that they're going to lose. Okay? It's just a matter of time. But what happens when you're playing a, a petulant child and they know they're about to lose? They just throw up the board and just ruin it all rather than lose. Uh, and, and that's what the false flag is going to be, that they will try everything they can to throw at us, including the kitchen sink, instead of losing outright or in this uh, temper tantrum. Well, if we're going to lose, we're going to take you all down with us. So yes, there will be a scare event. I don't think it'll be nuclear. Benevolent ETs have showed us by uh, dis attaching nuclear warheads, making them inoperable. This was at uh, Stephen Greer's very first disclosure at the press club in Washington, D.C. They showed a video of a nuclear warhead going up and a UFO coming with beams of light and just decapitating it, basically rendering it obsolete and dropping it to the ground. So there will be no nuclear war exchange. That's just not going to happen. There could be a suitcase bomb. There could be a biological, a real one let out in, in a city type scape. And they've tried that with uh, subway trains. They did one in Japan. They tried one here a couple months ago in New York city that foiled um, because there are the, the guardians of the looking glass, such as uh, my friend, Frank Jacob does quite a bit of research on the looking glass, which is basically uh, included on my cover. This is the yellow cube one mm -hmm. of the devices that can look forward in the future. So there's high technology that is predicting what's coming. And this is a singularity point, not the singularity that um, Ray Kurzweil says when machine surpass humans, which he predicts is 2030, not too far away either. 
But this singularity is when the timelines cross and timeline one is what we're on to get rid of this, this cabal and this problem we have and move on to a golden age where we can release the technology such as medbed, such as zero point energy, such as free energy, which is able to take us across the stars like our Star Trek future. We are being robbed of our Star Trek future right now. We already have technology that's 300 years advanced, according to Ben Rich on his deathbed in the 1980s. So as Ukraine just starts to unravel, this was their cash cow. This was the money source. It's not anymore. When Ukraine fails, this is according to General McGregor, he's saying that cuts the cabal down to its knees. That brings us to the final chess move, and they're going to try to do something. And they have had this Project Blue Beam in the background. Uh, Werner von Braun talked about it in the 1970s. There was another CIA agent who became a whistleblower. He released a video in 1989, and he was saying all the skull drudgery that they had been doing. And it's the guy, he's got, got a raspy voice, and he's sitting in a park, and he goes, and I look around at these children, and they just don't even know what's coming for them. He predicted Bluebeam was going to happen in 2024. But I think even before then, coming this fall, in uh, my correspondence with Kerry Cassidy, when nothing really happened on the 4th of July, we thought maybe that would be a, a good marker for the White Hats to, to make a big display and, and show us that they're taking down the cabal, even though arrests are happening behind the scenes. And we've all heard of Guantanamo Bay, Honduras, Terra del Fuego, the Thule base in Greenland, all being clogged with these criminals who are awaiting their military tribunal. But even what Trump said, that this cabal, this swamp is so much deeper and so much more intricate than anybody could have imagined. It's a very hard task. And so timing is everything. The events are very much driven by what happens. So sometimes, just like in a chess game, you have to wait for your opponent to make their move. When they make their move, then you counter. And I think we're right there at the end of the chess game, awaiting the cabal's final move. It might be an EMP attack, as you mentioned. I would say that that's kind of an easy one for them to knock out some power grids and send portions or in maybe the entire country in Canada into a total blackout. Boy, we're having the heat spell of all heat spells right now. Um, how would people react without air conditioning living in 120 degrees down in Phoenix? <laughs> it's 90 degrees here in uh, northern Nevada, and this is awfully hot. So be prepared for that and also be prepared if that were to happen, how quickly the grocery stores would be emptied. I, I was in Santa Cruz for the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake. And I was just amazed that earthquake took place at about 5.15 p.m. By that evening, every single supermarket and convenience store was either sold out of their stuff or looted. So yep. it, you will be left with what you have. That's all you might have. And everybody in the prepping field is saying, yeah, be prepared. At least 30 days, food, water, and hard currency silver, gold to trade or, or cash, because maybe the ATMs aren't going to work. So the last thing the cabal wants to do is crash the economy, because that is their source of income and control. So if they do crash the economy, 
uh, you got to understand that this is their last move. This is the final chess move. And if they do it in correspondence with, uh, say, an EMP attack or this Project Bluebeam fake alien invasion, which Werner von Braun said this would be the keystone moment to usher in their new world order agenda for this global hegemony around the world. If they were to do that, then that is what will follow. So we just have to be aware and prepared and stay uh, akin and abreast to all the changes that are happening among us. I couldn't agree more. Well, let me ask you about a related question. Election 2024, because we mm -hmm. all know, I mean, here we are. And, and this isn't, by the way, to get you to predict things are going to happen in a certain time frame. That, that's not what this is about. I, I abandoned that uh, line of questioning a while ago, even for myself. Mark. But certainly here we are. It's the middle of July, 2023. And people are wondering, you know, we know that next year is an election cycle. And so, you know, having established all that about false flags, scare events, you know, the EBS, all the things that could potentially happen, it begs the question about the overall timeline of events and how they're going to coincide with our next election cycle. And as you well know, there's been a great amount of anticipation and even debate within the Patriot community as to whether or not we're going to see overt military intervention by the White Hats prior to the next presidential election. Now, I've made my position clear to my audience in the sense that I do believe we're going to experience the EBS or the EAS, I guess it's called now, and the complete shutdown before the 2024 election. And, and you even have individuals like General Flynn coming forward and making statements predicting that there's going to be a financial black swan event, which you just alluded to a moment ago, bare minimum, that would prevent the process from moving forward. And I also think it's worth mentioning here that I don't see this country as being able to sustain another stolen election without states seceding, without the gradual dissolution into civil war. And I've always believed this is one of the fundamental objectives of the Q operation was to avoid the people fighting one another instead of rising up in a revolutionary style, albeit nonviolent, against a common enemy in the sense to meet the military halfway in terms of critical mass supporting, a mass support rather of military intervention so that they can bring all of these Satan worshipers to justice once and for all. So after hearing me lay all that out, what are your thoughts about the foreseeable future as we find ourselves, as I said, midway through the summer of 2023? Do you anticipate that we're going to get to the, the next presidential election prior to military intervention? Well, Patriot, I think I was on with you right before the 2020 election, and uh, a lot of us didn't even think that was going to happen. The way they rolled it out with a total blatant stealing, uh, most likely Trump won every single state in the country. I mean, it was so blatant the way that uh, they had to shut down the counting centers and, oh, all of a sudden, thousands of votes just appeared and put Biden at exactly the, the right time at three in the morning exactly the right time yeah three in the morning i went to bed that night uh yeah trump's winning he got the big swing states okay went to bed okay great he won wake up the next morning what no way and then it was just so apparently obvious so what's going to happen this time around well uh maybe doesn't happen maybe it's got to be a scare event now that so many people have seen how desperate and how blatant the final last steal was 
that they'll that this cabal will try his very best to have some kind of event that postpones or delays or cancels the next election. 2024 is going to be a pivotal year. 2024 will be one of those years that historians hundreds of years from now are going to look back and say this was a very pivotal moment, not only in the history of the United States, but really for around the world, because this will be the year that things have to swing in our favor. The White Hats have to come above ground. This is a discussion I've been having with Kerry Cassidy for months now. If they continue to stay totally quiet and not bring forth uh, some of these trials that we heard are happening, these military tribunals in Guantanamo and elsewhere, if we don't get the true knowledge that this is going on, if they continue to hide this information, well, aren't they just as bad as as the black hats were fighting who use this kind of uh, tactic of withholding information from the people. So the white hats have to take the higher ground here. They have to announce themselves and show us that this is really happening. Now, people like you and I, Patriot, we're watching it from behind the scenes in many different angles. And we know that there is blowback and that we're fighting against it. Look at what has happened to the whole COVID narrative has almost virtually fallen apart. Look, they wanted to lock us down forever. And people like us would not be having this discussion. We'd be in FEMA camps, if not executed by now, Absolutely. if their grand plan were to work. So the fact that we're still on the internet talking about these things, which they absolutely hate, that's the other thing is taking down the internet to just silence us. That's the last uh, step of a tyrant when they're losing control is go full censorship mode. And they were talking about doing it a bill in Australia right now that, uh, yeah, if you talk about anything other than the mainstream narrative, we're going to come at you. We'll even uh, fine you just like they did with the Canadians during the trucker strike. We'll just empty your bank account. Where, where's there a law that says you can do that? There's not. So these are the last gasp of a tyrant. But uh, we do have to have some uh, some transparency on what the white hat operations are more than just these anecdotal uh, signs that you and I see and, and discuss, but there has to be something on the mainstream media. The mainstream media also absolutely has to go down. It has to change over. It has to start reporting the real news. This is what's giving the globalists their last bit of cover because there's still a certain percentage of citizens that watch the news every night and that's their world. And they believe right. everything that and Richard Nixon even famously said the American people won't believe anything until they see it on TV. So they know the power of the boob tube to influence thought and create this narrative, this false narrative that's been going on for decades. Absolutely. And I think this has to happen prior to the next election cycle, because, again, if we go through the same thing that we went through in 2020, the same thing that we went through again in 2022. And then once again, in 2024, if we see another presidential election stolen and there's no action taken and there's no white hats emerging, uh, I just simply don't. I think this thing is going to fall apart at that point, mm -hmm. uh, this movement. Um, and I think it's going to start to become a very different conversation moving forward. Now, I don't anticipate that happening, but I just I lay that out there in a sense to remind folks. It's not as if I'm supporting this concept of just kicking the can down 
you know, down the street here for the White Hats for as long as necessary. I do think that there has to come a point where we need the truth. We need reconciliation. We need justice. We need all of these things in order for us to go on existing as a country, as a nation. And uh, this the system of government, too. I mean, everything comes crashing down when you can't believe your system of government represents you anymore, but is actually working against you. So there has to be the perception that we're taking this country back, that the white hats are fighting back against this neo-fascist agenda and taking down this globalist cabal. We need overt, transparent evidence that this is happening. Amen to that, brother. Well, let's switch gears a little bit here. I have a couple more questions for you. I'm not going to keep you too long today because I don't want you to to sweat to death on me in your <laughs> in your office over there. Uh, but uh, you know, as I always say, it's it's always a, a staple of our conversation to bring up Antarctica. And uh, I know that you recently, I think it was recently, you gave a speech on the hidden anomalies of Antarctica. Yep. And I don't know where that was. I'm sure you can inform us on that. But specifically, I think you talked about Operation Keyhole. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious about that. So for folks out there who may not be all that well-versed in some of your research into Antarctica, including your personal experience having traveled there, what can you tell us about the hidden anomalies of this mysterious continent? What can you tell us about Operation Keyhole? So if you could you know, kind of basically provide an overview of the presentation that you made, perhaps give us some of the highlights that would be really helpful for the audience to further understand why Antarctica is so important. It's great you brought that up, uh, Patriot, because I just saw on Before It's News, new Brad Olson, Operation Keyhole. Uh, my presentation was edited to present the information about the black goo, which is was stored on an island just off of Antarctica called South Thule Island. And a lot of researchers have talked about this, mostly in the UK. Uh, I've been on conversations with Harold Kaltzvela. He speaks about the black goo and David Griffin has been on the basis project with uh, Miles Johnson. If anyone wants to know more about this, the real purpose of the Falkland Wars in 1982 was to recover the black goo on South Thule Island, where there was a, a base called the Corbeta Uruguay base with eight Argentinian uh, scientists working there. In fact, the Falkland Wars was surrendered off the coast of South Thule Island. The scientists just raised a white flag, not a shot was fired. But you can even see on uh, Wikipedia, when the ships were coming down, they split into two. The Falkland Wars was fought on two fronts. And the second front which hardly anybody knows about was going down to the South Sandwich Islands, basically no resistance whatsoever. Many of those islands are uninhabited. And then they finally, uh, it was Operation Keyhole, a very specific top secret mission that ended the Falkland Wars when those scientists surrendered. And in a cave on South Thule Island, I show in my presentation a, uh, a recent Google Earth satellite image. Yeah, well, that little peninsula where it was is all uh, obscured. You still can't get a, a clear resolution of it, which I found in many locations in Antarctica. They'll just put 
a big white square over a place and not even bothered to try to use Photoshop and blend in the contours of the ice. Nope, just big rectangle white square. You're not going to see what's here. And they kind of do that with uh, South Thule Island. And so what the black goo was and still is, is programmable matter that can rapidly clone any life form. It was originally brought here by benevolent ETs about 74,000 years ago, right after the Toba eruption, which is uh, an island of Sumatra with uh, the Toba crater. I actually went to visit it when I was backpacking around the world. Beautiful lake, Northern Sumatra and Indonesia. That blew up 74,000 years ago with such a discharge of ash and gases that it created a nuclear winter. And almost all the humans who were alive at that point perished. The few that lived, 34,000 approximately humans on the entire planet could have fit into Texas Stadium, all the people in the world. So there was the fear that Earth could have been easily conquered and taken over. But the destiny of Earth on the surface is that humans will exist here. So benevolent ETs brought the black goo and they stored it down in South Tule Island because when it's frozen in a perpetual state, it never becomes warmer than freezing down there, that you can study it. You can work on it. You can warm up small portions of it in the laboratories, what the Argentinians were doing, but the Brits got wind of this and how they could capture it. That's what the Falkland Wars was all about, to regain the black goo. And so after the Falkland Wars, they took it up to Great Britain. Oh, by the way, they destroyed the base too, the Corbetta Uruguay base, right after they conquered it and took the black goo out, destroyed the base. It's still uninhabited. Uh, no one, No one there, no base there. But then they brought the black goo up to backward engineer it in Marconi laboratory and it got loose. And all these mysterious deaths of people that worked there uh, in the 1980s. And then it started appearing in, uh, in, in the sewer system of London. And now it's been weaponized. The black goo is the scourge of planet Earth. It is what basically the Morgellon syndrome. Now it's a syndrome because now it's worldwide. It's even showing up in animals, these little polymer fibers. In my book, Beyond Esoteric, I have a chapter called Morgellon Nanobots, which is basically what they are, tiny little nanobots that can self-assemble. The smart dust we also hear about, which is the size of a tiny little uh, pin top Here's a picture of what the smart dust looks like. This has been raining down on us in the chemtrails over the last 30 plus years. Morgellons disease was only discovered 20 years ago. It's a 21st century disease, now a syndrome because it's gone worldwide. And it's also been weaponized in the graphene oxide and the ferrofluids, which are also part of the jabberdew. So this is the scourge of planet Earth. It's going to get only worse until we get control of it. But almost everybody has no idea what black goo is or how it's been weaponized. It's one of those things that has been covertly introduced into the human species. Uh, this is the terraforming of Homo sapiens. As we know, when people did accept 
that jab, they have become a different human being. This was gene therapy. It was even stated that it was going to do this. They are homo borgenesis. They have broken off from homo sapiens. We have humans 1.0 and humans 2.0 now. This is how dark and deep this agenda has gone. And most people don't even know they've been terraformed. Even if you haven't taken the jab, you have probably absorbed these Morgella nanobots. And one way you can find out, and I describe how to do it in Beyond Esoteric in this chapter, is to do the red wine test. And that's hold a glass of red wine in your mouth for about eight minutes and spit it out. And you will see that you have these Morgella nanobots in your body as well. I've done it with three dozen people, Patriot, and every single one of them has spit out these artifacts. Even if they show no outward signs of, of Morgellan sores or anything else, they'll spit it out in, from the soft tissue. The uh, tannin in the wine extracts it from the soft tissue of your throat and cheeks. Wow. And it comes out and it's gross. And get this, sometimes you can drain out the wine, just keep those little uh, fibrous artifacts in the bowl, put a little rubbing alcohol on them and watch them squirm. So they're alive. They're artificial life, just like the black goo. They have a form of sentience. It is, uh, and, and notice how in movies and TV shows, such as the X-Files and Prometheus movie, they're predictively programming and putting in the black goo into the storyline of many of these sci-fi shows. Mm -hmm. Because as a free will planet, these occultists, who they are, this cabal, who is doing this stuff, who is weaponizing these artifacts, they have to tell us what they're doing, including terraforming the human race. And they do it through these Hollywood productions. So this is the, the zeitgeist of the age that we live in. It's the best of times and it's the worst of times. But I think we absolutely have to know what we're up against in order to fight against it. And that's why... I have endeavored to write these three books in the esoteric series. I don't repeat myself. Each book's over 400 pages of information that people absolutely need to know. Because if you don't, then you're subject to the will of these globalists and what they would really like to do with us. But that's sort of the short answer of what the Black Goo and the Falkland Wars was all about and how it's been weaponized and now introduced into the genome of not only humans, but animals are also showing uh, signs of Morgellon syndrome as well. Unbelievable. Well, you know, you mentioned, Brad, it's the best of times and the worst of times. And I think what you were just talking about there is really evidencing the worst of times angle and how deep and dark this has gotten, as you pointed out. But I thought maybe we could round out our conversation talking about the flip side of the coin a little bit and the disruptive technologies that are going, the quote unquote, disruptive technologies, according to the cabal that are going to be released that you talked about, you mentioned a little bit, uh, touched upon that in the golden age. So, you know, we're having these conversations and as we have these conversations about the status of the war, I'm always inclined to remind both myself and my audience what it is that we're fighting for and what this new age is going to look like. And, you know, getting back to your book, Beyond Esoteric, you've delved into this topic in a great amount of detail. You've talked about the hidden technologies that the cabal, as I mentioned a second ago, labeled disruptive. 
and the incredible future that we have waiting in the wings. You actually mentioned it tonight, our Star Trek future, which I think is a, I think you might've coined that phrase and I love it. So I'm wondering, uh, you know, if we could hear you relay some of the ways that the enemy has historically kept so much of this knowledge hidden, including Tesla's discovery of the 369 frequency paradigm, which I happen to believe is going to be used to heal oh, yeah. the, human, the human race. And you can talk about that a little bit. And also, you know, how you believe the audience, I'm sorry, the alliance will be uh, utilizing these discoveries, both in the short term after full disclosure, as I said, to heal the population and also into the future as we're pioneering this new age for humanity. So if you could talk a little bit about these hidden technologies and the golden age and what it is that we're fighting for, we can put an end cap on it until the next time. Yeah, you bet. Patriot, and I, I am an optimist, and I end all my books with a positive section, positive chapters to help people understand that that it can be the best of time as well. And we do have technology. Much of it is still sequestered, such as the med beds, which I think offer great hope for uh, helping people to detox, to rid themselves of Morgellons. Of, of all the things that have been festooned upon us to help clear that out, even to age reverse. But the globalists don't want that many of us around. They even wrote it on the Georgia Guidestones that they only want uh, 500 million of us, a half a billion out of 8 billion. That's about a 90% reduction. Uh, so we're going to see some of that reduction in the coming years. We're already seeing it now. Uh it's it's going to be uh, the worst of times, but the survivors, if we can get through this, if we can defeat this cabal, we can enter our Star Trek future. Because keep in mind, Gene Roddenberry wrote Star Trek about humans just exploring the universe, just checking it out as scientists, peacefully flying from planet to planet. Uh, they were not interfering if it was a developing planet, such as the Prime Directive, which is a universal law and applies here on Earth. That's why the benevolent ETs just don't land on the White House lawn and say, OK, we're here. Well, they don't want to be our nannies. They don't want to have to clean up Fukushima and all these uh, terrible things we've done. They'll help us with the technology to do it, but they want us to do it ourselves. And so the. The highlight here is we are moving into a golden age. We are moving into a time when humans are also going to start to be able to tap into these superhuman abilities that have lied dormant within all of us. Carrie brought this up in the uh, round table with Jim Willie and mm -hmm. Jean-Claude as well, that we have this within us. We just have to tap into them and know that we have these abilities. And so if you are able to stay positive and basically be uh, of one of charity, compassion, love, the higher emotions, you have the ability to transcend in this lifetime into a 5D world where you will be able to tap into these human abilities. The people that are gonna stay stuck with the lower emotions, hate, fear, anger they can be left behind as Dor dolores cannon describes the new earth those that are able to embrace the higher emotions can move up into this 5d those that cannot 
stay locked into the dense third dimensional reality and have a hard time at it. So this is how we basically escape from prison planet. We just become the very best human beings we can possibly be from our thoughts to our actions, to our deeds, to the legacy we leave behind. This is what I call the real philosopher's stone. This is how each one of us can make an absolute difference, not only in our own lives, giving ourselves the benefit of living longer, healthier, wiser as we go older, but also future generations as well to teach our children how to live in these higher emotional states. Because we have been hit from every angle uh, to try to bring us down to these lower emotions. Look what Hollywood does all the time, uh, showing us violence and sex in an unhealthy way and all these emotions uh, to trigger us into believing that this is how we should live. It's not. How we should live is is like the Buddha did and to be able to meditate and be able to look within, choir within, and by doing so, improve ourselves, such as the two words on the te Temple of Delphi at Apollo, Temple of Apollo at Delphi, Greece, two words, know thyself, the most two profound words in the ancient world. Because once you know thyself, then you can tap into these superhuman abilities then you can actually be largely immune to a lot of the skull drudgery that they're still going to throw at us. And believe me, they're in a desperate state. So they're going to probably pull out the most wicked means possible to the point of polluting us, such as the sabotage on the train in East Palestine. And just in the last couple of weeks, don't know if you smelled it, but I know friends of mine in the Midwest, when they said they the smoke from the Canadian fires, but there was a, a metallic and chemical smell to it as well. They will not stop short of poisoning us. That's how dark and demented the minds of these globalists are as a petulant child about to lose their game of chess and control of the planet. They're going to pull out some stops and we just have to be ready for it and be prepared. And I think the best way to be prepared is to try to even like Jesus Christ said, love your enemy. And they can't touch you when you do. That's the amazing thing about that, uh, that that you are somewhat immune to their attempts at trying to bring you back down into those lower emotional states. So it, it, it'll help you in many different ways, even though it seems counterproductive. How could I love the enemy when they're trying to poison me to death? Well, because then you won't be in that emotional state where you're vulnerable to it as well. So Absolutely. And my great hope for the future. <laughs> Amen to that. This off. Yeah. Amen to that. Absolutely. You know, and it's it's incredible. You know, you mentioned Hollywood and I it what popped into my mind is isn't it interesting that Hollywood seems to be crumbling before our very eyes, the actors strike and the, you know, the writers strike and all of these things. I think that we're moving into a an era where we're gonna completely I mean, and this is something I've talked about on my show, so much emphasis gets put on the revaluation of currency in the QFS, Nasara, Jasara, and rightly so. But I also think a much more important revaluation is going to take place in terms of what we actually think is important and what we place our values in and on. And I think it's going to be on one another as opposed to, as you said, I mean, they've been using this really dovetails with our earlier conversation about MKUltra. 
Hollywood as a primary tool in order to introduce all of these uh, ways to corrupt people and to, you know, from a very young age. And certainly we all, we know the agenda, we could do an entire show about that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, we are entering into a golden age and I happen to believe, and we can maybe touch upon this in some more detail next time, uh, the importance of frequency in mm -hmm. pretty much, uh, you know, as Tesla pointed out, you know, the three, six, nine, you know, oh, the yeah. secrets to the universe and they can, the white hats, the Alliance can virtually, uh, disrupt all. I mean, you talked about the nuclear warheads uh, that were, and I've. this is also a subject I've gotten into as well, that were basically deactivated by non-terrestrial technology. They have the frequency technology to be able to uh, neutralize the black goo as well. And yep. there's an interesting role that Starlink is going to be playing in that, in my view. Uh, but again, we'll talk about that next time. Uh, Brad, I, I really do appreciate you coming back on the show. Tell folks a little bit about your website, where they can purchase your books, and uh, any other information you want people to know if you have any speaking engagements coming up. Sure. Thank you. Uh, if you want to follow me on uh, Facebook, I got my account back. It was hacked for about two months. Finally was able to wiggle it back. Uh, also, bradolson.com. You can go to the conferences I'm speaking at. I've got uh, the big 5D alien event, Biomed mega conference in las vegas middle of september then i'm hightailing it right back up to the light of shasta conference third weekend of september then i'm flying out to um orlando florida for the galactic and spiritual informer conference in third weekend of october i also produce the how weird street fair that'll be the second weekend of october so i got a busy fall coming up but uh Love what I do and um, looking forward to all of it. If you want to find out more about my books, including getting a signed copy of any one of my books, go to cccpublishing.com. And there you'll also find Leo Lyon-Zagami, Michael Jaco, and we're soon going to publish Laura Eisenhower's first book in a three-book series she's writing. So uh, love my publishing work. Love my uh, new ranch out here in northwestern Nevada, even though it's a hot day in my <laughs> studio in the shop here. Um, making it happen, Patriot, as you are on the East Coast. So, uh, yeah, let's keep on keeping on and we'll reconnect in the future and talk about how about the frequency of sound, 432, not 440. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was another thing hijacked by the uh, all the way back to the Nazis. It was Albert Speer that changed the frequency of music right in the advent of radio. Uh, remember, Adolf Hitler gave the very first radio broadcast that was heard all across the country, and they toned it down to 440, which is a frequency that interbulates the mind, whereas 432 is a harmonic that will uh, enlighten the mind and and if music were all to convert over to that, it would be such a much better place for the state of sound and music and Hollywood too could convert over. But we'll save that for next time. Absolutely. I'm making some notes here. Uh, we're going to have a, a big conversation about frequency next time. Well, Brad, thank you again. You're a very busy guy and for good reason. I mean, you're in high demand. You have a, an amazing amount of knowledge. Your books are incredible. Go to cccpublishing.com. Is that, I get that right? And yep. purchase Brad's book directly. I believe he'll sign a copy for you as well. 
Uh, so it's definitely a great item to have in your collection. And more importantly, this is information that you need to have at the forefront of your mind. And that's why we got together and why we'll continue to get together to have these types of conversations. So thank you once again, Brad. I look forward to touching base with you again in the not too distant future. Good luck with all of your upcoming events and to everybody out there. Thank you for listening. I'll be back soon. I got Jim Willie coming back on Thursday. Very excited to touch base with him and hopefully I'll get a situation update report done in the meantime. But until then, God bless and Godspeed, everybody. Patriot out.